Let's raise and rope Broncos. That's the wrong movie, but I'm going to be talking about Blazing Saddles. Hey, everybody. Mark D, IT guy, dad, uh, shitty movie nerd, terrible cowboy, worst improviser, literally the worst. I succeeded at being the worst. And Blazing Saddles is a Blazing Saddles is a big deal. I I happen to catch some peripheral internet discussion about this 1974 western spoof slash really awesome and blunt racial or, or societal you know critique of mostly focused around racism. And yeah, no, it's um, it's a ride. It's a ride. I've seen it. I saw it for the fully for the first time, not too long ago. I want to say that as a kid, I, I missed it. I really didn't like westerns. I think I saw half of it and I fell asleep, or something like that. And I'm, I'm saying as a kid, I'm like ten, twelve. So I, maybe a lot of the stuff went over my head too. Um, and there's a lot like you know based on where I grew up and and things like that and. The things that I was into, this didn't necessarily um, click with me as as being a real issue as a child. So, yeah, I I finally saw it for the first time, I don't know, probably like four or five years ago, question mark. I don't remember, but I was like, holy fuck, this movie goes hard. And I saw it again just now. I woke up at like four in the morning or something and watched a movie. And holy fuck, this movie goes hard as shit. It goes really fucking hard. And as you can see, the rest of my house is awake now. And there's just fucking noises everywhere. People yelling. You know, normal things. Thuds. Who died? No one knows. But forgive any noises that you might hear in the background. Which maybe or maybe not come through. But to me, they sound very apparent. So, yeah, there's there's more to talk about in this movie which has had an interesting production history and things like that than most but I'm going to keep it simple I'm going to stick to the stuff that I saw in the movie per se and this is a extremely uh, gag dense movie okay I'm going to stick to, I'm going to I'm going to point out one thing that I saw in kind of the collateral damage I watched the little featurette you know the 30 minute kind of thing and they talk about, um, I believe Mel Brooks describes the writer's room, which was initially five writers, kind of pared down to one just through attrition. But he says it was, a, he described this as being in, in a, a drunken fist fight, maybe, I believe is a quote. Maybe it's a little different than that. And, and these extra features were done, I don't know, some time ago. I've seen Mel Brooks recently. He looks much older than he did in that interview. So, you know, things, time. And that makes a lot of sense because this movie has similar, what, um, perhaps, I don't want to say problems. I don't want to call them problems because then that gives the impression that I'm some type of arbiter of, of truth and accuracy. Like, I'm the one that knows. I don't. I'm just a fucking dork, right? These are professional film writers and, and, and filmmakers and screenwriters and and the whole nine, and, and they put into their craft and things like that a lot. But I will say that it feels disjointed. And I've talked about a few other Mel Brooks movies, in, in, or movies in the Mel Brooks collection, not that they were all written by him. And they some of them have kind of the same vibe. 
and it fucking air conditioner, bro. And I'm sorry for any noises that you might be hearing right now, but the air conditioner is on right now. I just told it to turn off. It'll, it'll fucking figure it out. I'm just fucking pissed because I'm like, yeah, I got a, I had a moment here. I'm rolling. I'm good. I've, I've had coffee. I'm good, but I've had, you know, not a lot of sleep, a, a bit too few sleep, a bit too many coffee. And it's just with this weird mania. That's this weird thing that's going on. And I'm just hype and I want to talk about Blazing Saddles. Maybe I talk too fast. Who knows? Um, but no, seriously, slowing it down. So the, the, the movies have felt disjointed and this lends a lot of credence to that because ultimately it was them literally fighting it out and probably yelling at each other and all those, you know, kind of negative behaviors that one might associate with a writer's room. And then they just kind of pick whoever wins who shows up in the movie. You know, he, he mentions, yeah, you know, I'm the director. So I really got to pick what, what stayed and what, you know, what went away and the air's off. Cool. So very fair, you know, very fair to me for observing that as a, a lay person and then having it validated. It feels good. It feels good. Validation feels good. Everybody needs validation. And there's definitely different ways to do that. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I will validate you, listener. You matter. You matter to me. You matter to other people. You exist in this world. You have thoughts. You have feelings. I'm Fraser Crane. No, but that, that, that was a little bit of a joke, and I'm, I'm using an RE320. He uses an RE20. But he also just has better diction and no real noticeable speech pathology and it, it's a whole thing but you matter agreed uh I, I matter ostensibly but i don't care about that what you think about me doesn't i don't care it's what i think about me maybe because i'm just like a i don't know depressive narcissist in that way i don't know i don't know what this means i was i played a psychologist in the last movie i think uh high anxiety yeah but i'm you know anyway being right is really validating you know, just it is in, in a, a little bit maybe of a toxic way. It just, it is. It feels good. Feels right, Ryan. So, uh, so this movie's that. And uh, there's a lot to it. Just watching it, you know, instantly you can tell that Cleavon Little is just a fucking star. Charismatic as hell. He really didn't go on to do anything else, which was disappointing but he just kills it in the beginning when he sings that song which um the way that i know that song is from the mf doom one beer intro you know that's what i call it i call it the one beer song because i don't know where the fuck it came from i don't know shit about shit but that's cool um they instantly come out guns blazing on racism hard like both give them both barrels kind of thing and uh the f word comes you know not not too too not too late after the n word so that's in there too and there's definitely a lot of uh gay jokes towards the end that i'm like i didn't need so many of those you know i understand a couple there's one that's jesus christ <laughs> oh family life
but yeah, but they're they're shitting on racists. They're shitting on westerns, which are notoriously problematic in the way that they're they're made. And it was interesting to find out that they actually wanted John Wayne. Mel Brooks wanted John Wayne to be uh, the Waco kid, and he had like just very previously come out and said some racist shit. So it would have been interesting. He declined. They got Gene Wilder, which was amazing. Gene Wilder is this really fantastic kind of quiet performance. He's not stealing the show or anything like that. He's just doing these little things. And I think it's in the last one where I... Did I mention uh, anything about big jokes and little jokes? I think it's here, actually. I think I think I wrote this down in regards to Gene Wilder. Sometimes the best jokes aren't the big, loud ones, but instead the quiet, the small ones. And there's one moment where he's talking to, uh, you know, the, the Jim, right? The Waco kid is talking to Bart, you know, the sheriff played by Cleavon Little. And, you know, he, Bart's very upset because he just got called an N-word by an old lady. Who's, he was just trying to be nice. And Gene Wilder just does this little tiny ad lib right at the end. Very slow, very quiet. And Cleavon Little breaks and he just starts laughing. And that stayed in the movie because it was it was such a beautiful little moment and it was it was very genuine. And Gene Wilder does a couple of those, like when he <laughs> you know, when he hits the blunt, right? When he uh when he inhales the marijuana cigarette and he does like the high pitched voice. I laughed. I laughed for like four minutes, probably. Three and a half. I laughed for like three and a half minutes at that. And then he, he does it again. So, you know, you get you get more laugh out of that. You get more better mileage. Yeah, I mean the movie definitely is clear and the movie did get apparently a an introduction, an intro on HBO Max, which um Okay, so I'm going to say that there was, like, collateral damage just in doing, like, a search for, like, movie poster and things like that to to post in the thing. Uh, I, I ended up reading some dumbass articles. There's some dumbass people out here. Like, dumb as fuck. So don't read too much into it. Just letting you know that there was an intro, and they talk about, you know, the context and things like that, and they really spell out, hey, this movie's making fun of fucking racists. They use a bunch of N-words because those are racists in the movie using the N-words, and even some of the actors and stuff like that were conflicted. Uh, the gentleman that plays Lyle, you know, the, the dude with the smile in uh, in the, the little feature. He talks about, like, I didn't, I was having problems reading the script. And, and Cleavon talked to me. He said, listen, man, this is a, a character. This is words that somebody else wrote. You're not calling me that. If you thought, if I thought that you would, you know, I'd, um, I'd, I'd just, you know, we'd get into a fight, you know, so do your thing. Right. And Richard Pryor actually was, was the most... The, the largest proponent for using the N-word and even upping the ante and just going, doubling down on it, really. And he was supposed to be Sheriff Bart initially, but with his drug problem, he was basically uninsurable, is my understanding. No, nobody would insure the production if he had an overdose or if he had to go to rehab or anything like that. Production would be shut down and the loss of money would be significant. So... That's how they ended up with Cleavon Little, who, you know, apparently was a, a Tony Award winner and just a really, really great actor, I think. And he he really brings a good energy to the, the part. He's not not too cynical. Not not very cynical at all, actually, I would say. Um not naive, but not cynical, if you can dig that. Somewhere in the middle. 
and just charming, you know, skilled, that kind of thing. But there's there's a million and one jokes in this movie. There's literally a thousand billion trillion jokes, and you know, the uh, you know the 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 playing 1974 in in 1874 kind of thing is super fucking funny to me, and I love it. And they they go hard on that shit too, all the way at the end of the movie where they get into this massive fucking fight and they break into the back lot of uh, of Warner Brothers Studio, I believe. And that's a whole thing, and and there's there's so many things. There's so many good gags. I I don't even want to say any because if you haven't seen the movie and you want to, I think you should a thousand percent. I think you should understand. There's some bad language, a little bit of drug use, you know, some cartoonish violence essentially, because this movie they literally use the Mary Melodies music at one point. It is cartoony as hell, but on purpose, right? Like they they know it's. The whole movie's a wink to the camera, but also a middle finger to racists. And um, there are, are jokes in here that I would not even want to spoil. Because if you forgot about it, and then you watch the movie, you, you will laugh again. I promise. And even if you remember, you might watch the movie and still laugh again. So I recommend watching the movie. It's on HBO Max, so it should be streaming generally somewhere. Is kind of how that works. And, and by somewhere, I mean international. Netflix internationally picks up a lot more than the Netflix in America and things like that. So just check your, your streaming services. If you have HBO, if that's a thing, check there. But the movie's fantastic. Um, if you have teenage kids, you can probably explain it away. You know, you can, you can get through it. You might have some difficult conversations if they haven't come up yet, but you can do it. Um, Madeline Kahn, also in this uh, movie, she does, she actually uh, got nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actress, which is rare for a comedy, especially back then. And she is just fantastic. And it's really great. She's just a great actress. I already mentioned that I I really enjoy her performances in High Anxiety or in the High Anxiety episode. But one of the performances that I always think of is this one, Clue and History of the World Part 1, which I will get to at some point. And the way that the the movie list has worked out, I basically left all the big hitters to the end, but without realizing it. I just kind of picked at random. And it turns out that the big hitters, you know, which are History of the World, well, this one, History of the World, Spaceballs, and Men in Tights, and maybe one more. I, I lost count already. But they're, they're towards the end, so that's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun time. Harvey Corman, obviously. As Headley Lamar. <laughs> oh, and they fucking, they even acknowledged. So Hedy Lamar was an, an actress that fled Europe because of, you know, fucking Nazis. And she was also, she's a, a very impressive person. She's just knocked down beautiful. Just a knockout. Just ding, lights out. She's European. She speaks several languages. And she's also an inventor. So one of her patents, she actually has patents, I, I believe more than one. But one of them is the frequency hopping used for radio-controlled torpedoes. And that's just, that's so brilliant. And it's, it's so wonderful. And she definitely had an interesting 
life. She seemed to be withdrawn and maybe, you know, a bit depressive. So she, you know, as she got older, she became increasingly more reclusive. But, you know, there, there there's things that went on there. Not about her, but worth mentioning, because if you don't have the context of who Hedy Lamar is, you don't know that Hedley Lamar is funny. And she actually sued the production of Blazing Saddles, and they settled out of court, you know. It wasn't, you know, nobody was mad at her per se, but. Oh, yep, now the noise. Now the noise. Okay, I'm going to have to pause this for a second. And I'm back only to say that I'm going to, I'm going to be leaving. I'm I'm basically done. I think uh this this movie I definitely like 110%. 110% like Macho Man, you know, the cream of the crop. There's some really really good gags in this one. I don't I don't even I don't even, I'm not going to. I'm going to hold back. I am going to you know, like Boston said, don't hold back. No, I'm going to hold back. That's not that's not the lyric of the song I know. I know that it's Don't Look Back. Don't Look Back actually has one of my favorite choruses ever. Because it just, it fucking rocks. So check out Boston's Don't Look Back. This has been a message sponsored by Boston. Come, come around for some fucking donkeys. Or something. How you like them? <laughs> How you like them apples? That's hunting season, bitch. Applesauce. <laughs> yeah, I've lost it. I've lost it. I've, I've made so many of these in such a short amount of time and lost amounts of sleep. Tangible amounts for each one. That's me. I'm out. Be nice. Wear a mask. Black Lives Matter. Stay home if you can. If you can't, just try to keep your wits about you. Be as safe as possible. You know, it's 2020. This is just, what the fuck is going on? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anymore. No one knows. No one knows, but I'm going to come back with another Mel Brooks movie after this.